Beyond Yacht Rock is coming at you on the feralaudio.com podcast network. Go to feralaudio.com podcast network and shop through their Amazon portal. Proceeds go to feral audio artists. Word. Word. I just need to hear Oh. <clears throat> this one's going out to Dave. Hey, thanks, pal. No problem. I know this is, this is yours. Yeah, this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, here we go. So in the late 80s, in the early 90s, there was a re-emergence of the 60s countercultural movement and the spirit of the people most commonly known as hippies. Ew. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Perhaps it was the nostalgia of the baby boomers entering midlife. Perhaps it was the political pushback of the anti-Reaganism. Or maybe it's something as simple as the monkeys being on Nickelodeon again. Which they were. Yeah, it's true. Either way, it was here. But the things had changed a lot since the 60s. Rock and roll, which was more, which was the driving force behind the hippie movement, had splintered. It wasn't just a psychedelic jam no more. Punk had spawned from the primitive, hard-rocking stooges. Grunge has lurched out of the depressive tones of Neil, Neil Young. Almost said Neil Diamond. <laughs> Easy to do. Easy to do. <laughs> and something new in its entirety had been created. Something that would emerge from the confluence of the civil rights movement, jazz, poetry, soul, and funk. This was hip-hop, or rap to be exact. This isn't rap. I know it's this not. This is Eddie Murphy I, trying to coax Michael Jackson into the recording studio with Earth Peace music. I, I know, but at one time, I mean, Eddie Murphy was a very, very important part of, of hip-hop culture, you see. And it was infecting him also. But hip-hop, like the origins of rock and roll, had formed through multiple combinations of art forms. Post-hippie hop. Oh, post-hippie, sorry. There wasn't a direct connection to the scene, more loose ties. Nevertheless, hippies were for a short time back in the cultural zeitgeist, and hip-hop felt the effects. So today, I take you back to the second summer of love, when Mr. Boogie in Your Butt, Eddie Murphy, was writing <laughs> songs about flower children. I bring you back to when rap got groovy. I bring you... Hippie Hop. Beyond Yacht Rock. It's a Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We make up arbitrary genres and count them down for your listening pleasure. My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve Huey. I'm David Lyons. Hey, and I'm Hunter. Hunter's in the captain's chair today. He's bringing us hippie hop, but we'll talk about that later. We like to kick off every show with a bone throw to the yacht rock genre. And what are we listening to today, Dave? We are listening to uh, Michael Jackson, uh, hmm. Eddie Murphy's collaborator hmm. on, uh, on a song or two. Uh, this is It's the Falling in Love by Michael Jackson. And I'm going a little off-brand here calling this Yacht Rock, but uh, I think uh, I think it is. I still don't believe it's Yacht Rock. Convince me. You got it. Two things convinced me this was Yacht Rock. You hear both the R&B and some jazz in there, and Jackson merges it with his pop sensibility to make what I would consider pure Yacht Rock. But you can ima easily imagine the doobies singing the song and nailing it. And it was written by David Foster and Carol Bayer Sager. Sager has a version of this that came out first, oh, and uh, anyone that doubts her as a woman of Yacht Rock should listen to this and shut the fuck up, because you're wrong. 
Uh, it also features backing vocals by yacht rock woman of note Patty Austin. Uh, Steve Picaro also programmed the synths on this track. Uh, along with the song Girlfriend, this would mark the first time MJ worked with the Totos. Not uh, the last, either. No, not the last. Uh, the opening vocal acrobatics in the opening is not very yachty, I would say. Uh, and the disco kicks in heavy in the chorus. But overall, I think it's a yacht rock song. As we've said that before, right? We've, did we talk about this song? Yeah, but we talked about it. Uh, Carol Bayer Sager's version, mm-hmm. which I think is yachtier. But, uh, you know, I'd be happy, happy, more happy listening to this Michael Jackson version on the Sirius XM Yacht Rock channel than I would listening to anything by Fleetwood Mac. Do they put Fleetwood Mac on that show? Sure yes. do. Oh. Uh, it's pretty, that's proto-yacht. Fleetwood oh. Mac is proto-yacht. Except it was happening at the same time. As <laughs> it was the studio sheen, though. It was the, the meticulous production in the studio. Now, we talked about Michael Jackson being Yacht Rock uh, back on the old internet show. Uh, beautifully played by Demorge Brown, who still has my iPad. So that's how you picked this song. <laughs> yeah. We've just got to the nuts and bolts of this. Has he had it since he appeared in the show? Um, no. Because iPads our, didn't exist back then. No, he's had it since our 10-year anniversary. Proto, proto iPad. Um, but Michael Jackson worked very closely with uh, Toto all throughout Thriller. In fact, most of the band on Toto on Thriller was Toto. This song here mm-hmm. also has Greg Fillengain, so you'll see, you'll see him everywhere. And he's not exactly Yacht Rock, because he's so prolific, uh, but because he played on everything. But I, I saw him touring with Toto in place of Steve Picaro when I saw Toto in the yachts. Ah. Hey. Steve hmm. Picaro took a break. Greg Fillengain said, let me play keyboards. And they, Toto said, okay, cool. Come. Greg filling in. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the live programming of synth is hard to do. That taxes you. Um, I'd also like to say that Michael Jackson is a pervert and a monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worse than any we profiled in the Stat Tracks episode. I like his music a fuck of a lot less after I heard about all the violent child porn they found in this house. Did you listen to this groove though? Did you mm-hmm. did you actually read into the violent stuff? Because. I'm not saying he's not a monster, but I don't think any of that was necessarily true. I think it was yeah, a bunch re- of European art books. Yeah, I'd read that all the stuff that he had that they were talking about was available on Amazon. It, like, yeah, it was it is. the yeah. underground. It's the, the, the Maplethorpe defense. O- o- Occam's Razor, if any of it was brutal child porn, he would be in jail. Okay. Or dead. Yeah, there you go. And it, we all know he's not dead. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we talk about uh, hippie hop? Yeah. That's, do we have to? Let's do, let's do 180 on this on the last topic. Yeah, I'd like to develop that theory further. You're out of a pessimistic mood yourself. Oh, who's this? Yeah. Uh, according to my script, it's Pete Seeger. Yeah, it's Pete Seeger we shall overcome. So let's get into this. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is going to be a rap song, but he is rapping to the crowd yeah. the way they used to do back in the day. Oh, and there they are. They're happy. They're happy to hear this. Those hippies. Okay, so the first thing I want to get out there is I'm not using, Dave is, but I am not using hippie as a pejorative. I certainly am. I know sometimes, I know that sometimes idealism can be abrasive, like this Pete Seeger version of We Still Overcome, but at its core, the message is great. Progressive humanism, collectivism, equal rights, anti-violence, anti-establishment, pro-consciousness expansion. I mean, unless you're Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, however you say your name, these are all pretty good things. 
Tommy. Are you upset with that this is a rap? Pinko. Yeah, it was promised rap, but whatever. It's a rap it's a rap episode. You're trying to talk about the genre and listen to some old folk dude. Uh, but continue, I mean, you, you bring me around. Okay, I'll bring this you around. This is more of a labor protest song than a hippie song. I no, it wasn't uh, labor protest. This is a civil rights I protest. Oh, you're right, you're right. And, uh, this, is standing, this is about standing hand in hand with your brothers and protesting. Anyways. We'll, it's okay. a protest song. Yeah, yeah so it's a protest song that was eventually like taken on any protest. Anyways, it wasn't really till the 1980s after many had fallen off to Vietnam, drug addiction, or the appeal of crass consumerism that hippie began to be derided and become a character caricature of hopeless idealism. Quote Ronald Reagan, one of the most popular presidents of all time, a hippie is someone who looks like Tarzan, walks like Jane, and smells like Cheetah. It's terrible. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. No wonder they named a freeway in an airport after yeah. him. I am not using this mocking attitude at all. The further but I, you did mention it. I did, because it's, but it's, a, it's terrible a good, it's a good joke. It's a terrible set. I'm it's sorry. It's a good joke, it's, though. It's not, whatever. What, what, it's an asshole. That guy's an asshole. Uh, but further, I gotta keep it cool, right? Because coolness is always been important to hippies and their especially their forebears the beatnik hipsters in fact this was actually a dividing line between the groups beatniks the originators of hip uh, considered the throngs of hippies to have d-list coolness but hey the spirit of the hippie just needed time man they can be groovy it doesn't always have to sound like pete seeger See, I don't think hippies ever consider themselves to be you're, cool. You're no. Beatniks, you're, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Beatniks were all about being yeah, cool. You're, the original hipsters. You're, you're wrong. They were. They definitely wanted to be cool because everybody else were fucking squares. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hippies were more about expanding their consciousness, man. Which was cool. Anyway, no, you guys are stepping over my transition. Cool. They were tuned out. This can sound much fucking cooler. Play the cool version. Here it is. Good lead-in. All right, now we're talking something a little cooler, a little funkier. So we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Well, we're ca- this, this is stand. This is, I know. This JD. isn't rap either. I know. Ten minutes into a podcast about rap, and we've heard no rap. I was promised a bunch of rap. You're gonna get it. Okay. <laughs> this is Stand by Sly and the Family Stone. Great song. The same basic message in a much funkier package. And also one that ties more closely to hip hop, which is what we'll get to later. So eventually. Yeah. I, I'm trying to lead into it, man, because it's a large bridge to get. Anyway, so this without parsing the genre of hippie hop too much in the intro, I just want to throw out the basic things that we'll see. It'll have a slight political bent, most likely based on equality and collectivism. It won't have a dark or violent tone like like summer, it'll be sunny. It'll throw back to the 60s era musically, usually through the use of samples. There will be hippie imagery, not just in the music, but in the title, um, the clothing that they wear, the, their colorful personalities. The image, the artwork. Yeah, everything that kind of was part of the, the scene. And most importantly, it'll be groovy. We're in the summer. This is a summer playlist. And just because you're socially conscious does not mean you don't. Doesn't you, you, doesn't mean you can't dance to it. So let's do that. I, I, when you first pitched this genre, my first thought was like, how is hippie hop gonna be different from just like native tongues rap or any like basic genre list for alternative rap? But you've gone well. You've gone really far afield with the intro. But in the list itself, you've gone 
far enough afield that you're finding this spirit in a few less expected well, places. I'm easing so it's into a fun the, list. I'm easing into the spirit. Yeah, it's a fun list. Okay. So, anyways, I also and wanna... not. Oh, I'm sorry. Not all. Not all these these hippie hop things. It shows that funky that hippies can be funkier than some shitty drum circle. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I also just want to mention real quickly that the original Summer of Love took place two day, two years before Woodstock. So, I'm using the same equation. Woodstock '94 was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was in 94. Two years before is 1992. I'm going to use that as as the peak of hippie hop. So uh, that's... Really setting the bar high. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's get into it. Unless anybody has any further things, let's get to some raps. Well, well I just want to talk about how much I love these, these gentle rap bands when I was a teen because they were so unthreatening. I was a sheltered, sort yeah. of moralistic white teenager who I wasn't a big fan of crime or drugs, so that harder rap didn't appeal to me, but these these rap bands we're going to listen to today, they really they really spoke to me and, and helped me bridge from a nerd into a guy who kind of liked rap a little bit. All right. Sweet. So maybe that's something you bring in along a white audience. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Number 10. All right. Right off the bat, we got to do this stupid intro. Let's see. Anybody recognize it? I think we all know this is D-Light with Groovin' in the Heart from 1990. Is this even hip-hop? Well, I don't know. It's Convince kinda, me. Kind of sounds like she's rapping. Well, isn't Even though it's kind of close to a try and rap. And you got a real live Bootsy Collins. Not just a sample of Bootsy Collins. And spoiler alert, Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest appears in the bridge, so I'm going to say yes, this is hip-hop enough to be number 10. Well, and you, you don't have to rap for it to be hip-hop. Hip-hop is basically R&B that moves with a modern, forward-thinking urban beat. And this song has it for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. All right, great. Good I'm, definition. I'm looking for the slight political bent based on equality and collectivism. Well, oh, it's all over this, this one. This part, this type of party, partying is very inclusive in, in itself as a political statement that everybody can come together and party. But I will say, D Light on their on their other albums got more political as they went on. So it wasn't like they didn't do anything. Yeah, this one they just dressed like idiots and sort of gyrated. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like they're hippies before they're house musicians. And Bootsy Collins and Q-Tip being there singes it for me that this 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 should this should count. Uh, and side note, I just want to bitch about Jay Leno for a minute. The, the, of all the things that could have annoyed me the most about Jay Leno is when he would make fun of Q-Tip's name, like like oh who can make who can keep these crazy rap names straight? Q-Tip. Uh, uh, like, yeah, I think get uh, out, like like Q-Tip wasn't way smarter and more talented than Jay Leno. Who can keep your stupid old car straight, you big chin piece of shit? And I, think, I don't uh, remember names of old cars. It's what you like. Oh, don't make fun of other people, Jay Leno, you mean guy. Yeah, that I guy saw him broken down on the side of the road one day, one of his old, like, steam-powered cars or something <laughs> like that. And I was slowing down to help. Uh, somebody stalled on the road, and I saw it was him, and I just kept driving. <laughs> Good. All right, we're halfway, we're halfway through the song, so who's D-Light? Let's get back into the stuff I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, D-Light is not the lead singer. Her her moniker is Lady Miss Cure? Cure? I don't know. Is that a question? It's, it's a Cure? It's a New York Cure? house dance pop band. She started with uh, Soviet-born super DJ D 
Dmitry, who is the only Soviet DJ ever to be given the title Super DJ by Gorbachev. That's part of the policy of Glasnost and Perestroika. Mm-hmm. Okay, the bulk of this melody is uh, is the song uh, for Herbie Hancock's Bring Down the Birds from 1966 mixed with the slide whistle rhythms of Get Up by Berno Birch from 1979. That's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. All I hear mixed is uh, Dancing with Fun. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. It's really walking that edge, that line between dancing and fun. Well, if, you, if you're trying to say that dancing isn't always fun, sometimes it's not. Just talk to a failing New York City ballerina. Not fun or, for her. Or anybody who's been to a wedding with my family. Okay, <laughs> before we move on, I just want to... Oh, I want you, you left out the third member of D-Light, who's Japanese-born DJ Toa Tei. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, there are three members of D-Light. Yes, and also I just want to mention... He wasn't a super DJ, though. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I just also want to mention that these are one of the only... This D-Light was one of only two groups on this list that was invited to Woodstock 94. I think that's fucking ridiculous. Number nine. Also, or- Orleans was invited to Woodstock '94. <laughs> hot tip. Because so was Jackal. <laughs> dance with me. Everybody dancing. Okay. Inviting people to dance. So this is number nine. This is a uh, they, they name dropped uh, Jimi Hendrix in the last song, and this one's called "Jimmy Diggin' Cats" by the Brooklyn-based trio Diggable Planets. I think they're referring to Jimi Hendrix in this. But Jimmy, they use their Jimmy as two M's, so I don't know if that's true. But I, I'm gonna take that. As he is. My younger brother, who has better musical taste than me, had the CD, so I listened to it quite a bit. Just that really nice, non-threatening rap the moralist teen JD Riznar could really dig his teeth into. <laughs> Isn't Jimmy urban slang for wiener? Like wax my Can Jimmy. Me. Oh, this is song like is about Jimmy hats. This song Jimmy is about hats bestiality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Peace between humans and animals. I like it. Uh, <laughs> this this is from 1993. So the song the song is more conscious of those old school influences that they, like hippie hop was kind of around at this at this time. It's also 1993 is significant because of one other thing. Hippie hop was I would say it's a subgenre of alternative rap. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Which rose concurrently with alternative rock, and this is the stuff that would have appeared on college radio stations. Well, in 1993, something changed. Alternative rock fully replaced mainstream like hair metal, and then, but at the same time, gangster rap completely decimated uh, the alternative rap scene, and it never really recovered after that. Do you have any insights on that? Because I know well, part Steve of it, Huey was part uh, of it was uh, the Chronic. Dr. Dre's The Chronic came out and wiped everything clean, kind of the way that Nevermind did for alternative rock. Yeah. When did uh, The Chronic come out? Was that like 95? 92. 92. Oh, was that early? Yeah. yeah. And oh. so by this time, it was kind of like it kind of killed it. And, and yeah, the, and it, like gangster rap broke big everywhere after that. And it was like, all right, sex and violence, yeah. Yeah, but they and, also took they also took uh, Parliament Funkadelic because they use a lot of that, that, yeah, they that did. hippie hop bands were using and also weed which yes. is closely associated with hippies yeah they t- the, the P-Funk influence they took they took all the weird hippie shit out of it and just stuck with the weed yeah. <laughs> but despite the explosion in gangster rap the Grammys awarded uh, this with uh, the best rap song by they, duo or group yeah, in they 1993 beat, they beat Dre and Snoop yeah they, so basically the 93 Grammy voters are trying to keep the blacks in line 
It's that, true. That's a that's. <laughs> it's true. Statement. Yeah, it's uh, very eloquently put. I wasn't a ninety. Don't look at me. I wasn't a ninety-three Grammys voter. If I was, I would have voted for the scary black guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say that this is the first song on the list using jazz backing. Yeah, uh, jazz rap was a big part of alternative rap in the yeah, early nineties yes, too. And it also it also converged just like the beatniks and hippies with. With uh, beatniks and hippies kind of converged kind of as one. At least some of them did, and that was kind of the same thing that they were going on here. These guys were never my favorite jazz rap group because I don't. their lyrical flows are just kind of... They feel very limited and kind of squared off for a genre. Like, you think of jazz rap, you think, like, rhythmic elasticity, and these guys don't have a ton of it. Like, some of these verses could... They could have been over any other beat on this album and, and it, still fit the meter exactly. It may have also helped that the Cool and the Gang was on this, the Summertime Madness drop. All right. How did that help? Song's over. It didn't, did help. Help. It didn't help, it just changed Oh, it didn't help, rap. I see. Did anybody... <laughs> What do you want to say? I was going to say they have a bunch of little hip jokes in that song, too, that I don't get at all. Like, if this was the 60s, Isaac Hayes would have his own 900 number. Oh, yeah, and MC Hammer would have been a pimp. It's just a I, mess. I don't get it. It's a yeah, mess. I don't all get right. it. All right, don't move, get it at all. Moving anyway. on, another funny group. This is uh, the Beastie Boys with Bodhisattva Vow from 1990. Bodhisattva? Bodhisattva. <laughs> doesn't matter. Bodhisattva, won't you take me by the hand? Yeah, okay. So here we are. We're staring at the dividing line of post-hippie hop, where the imagery gets less into, or it's more generically retro without the overt flower power. And uh, this is this is from 1994. It's ill communication. I think it was at, basically around this point that Gen Xers found out that they didn't actually need to align themselves with the counterculture revolution to be alternative and to be current with social causes. Like they didn't need that solidarity. They were they could stand on their own two feet as in protest injustice. All I know for sure is this is the skipper on an otherwise great yeah, album. Yeah, this is the real low point on ill communication. I was I was Real enjoyed turd. it. I always enjoyed it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I read the li- I can't understand most of the lyrics because they put that distortion on his voice. Uh, so I looked them up, and I have I have a pretty positive opinion of Buddhism, like particularly Zen. And if I were to subscribe to a religion, that would be the one. But these lyrics sound a lot better than they read. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that the re- so the reason I, I put the Beastie Boys on this list is because I figured a lot of people would assume that the Beastie Boys would be on this list because they're the Larry Birds of hip hop. Yeah. You're giving the people what they want. So no, but I. But they I just, did get really into Buddhism. Like MCA got them all into Buddhism. Yeah, that's the point. So they, up until this point, they were more, they were more apt to, uh, they were they're punks. They, oh, they yeah. were they would they were more apt to egg you than like sit and like talk politics yeah. with you. Shout out to Egg Raid on Mojo. Yeah, but this is but this is they're they're like kind of like changing at this point and they and becoming the band that was extremely political over the aughts. Yeah, like, and mm-hmm. and at, like a couple of years. After they did this, they started organizing those Tibetan freedom concerts, yes. uh, which didn't work. <laughs> they, Tibet is not free. <laughs> nice try, guys. Yeah. They they released this song in, in Tibet, but the chants were brought into the front, and MCA was pushed into the background. And ironically, these monks are chanting about G's and cap and hose with gats. Huh. <laughs> didn't know that. Still made the list, though. <laughs> Number seven. 
Yo, Shock, man. People been coming up to me saying, yo, man, what's up yo, with man. the underground, man? You guys, Is that what they've been they? saying? New yeah. school. See, people Old just school, come up to new them. school, they don't know because these guys love freaking out the squares. These are the merry pranksters of hip hop. This is digital underground with the way we swing from 1990. I had to include this on this. If you know it's not perfect, I had to include it because of the usage of Who Knows from Jimi Hendrix. It's so overt from uh, my favorite Jimi Hendrix album, The Band of Gypsies. It's like my favorite live album. It's amazing, and they did a great job incorporating it in this. Video. You know, at first I was listening to this song it's like why is this hippie hop these guys are just your regular bragging rappers and just rapping about how great they are it's not very harmonious and then i remember that in college i the, the hippies who lived underneath me in the dorms played this riff over and over again over and over hippies love to play the same shit over and over and over again so i i understand how this is hippie hop actually i don't think that's true steve it's just everything they listen to sounds the same so it, but I'm, I'm, like I'm not talking about the what end. they're listening to. I'm talking about what what they and their limited technical abilities can play on instruments. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Surely you agree with me on that point. Absolutely. Yeah, but at this time, they, they, we're not using hippie and sort of. Uh, Some of us are. Okay. Well, you are. You are not. Uh, so the 19. I just want to point out, 1990. This is very, very early for a rap rock rock song. Uh, the Judgment Night soundtrack would come out way later than this. So I thought this was pretty, a pretty great guys, bridge. These guys the were mostly influenced by P Funk. Like they, it was it was like before the Chronic, and they would keep that kind of like weird druggy uh, yeah. George Clinton humor yeah. in a lot of their music. So Digital Underground is our. These are our first West Coasters on the on this list, coming from uh, Oakland, um, across from Haight Ashbury, birthplace of the Black Black Panthers, um, and Digital Underground at the kind of at this time or maybe a little bit earlier were uh, mimicking their look after but they kind of changed that and I would say their name is probably an homage to the weather underground mm. um, but soon thereafter they moved away into a more of a whimsical Ken Kesey route uh, they love freaking out squares with lots of sex talk and lots of like crazy antics um, they, they're most famous for two members, uh, well, and then Tupac, who was also in it for a short period of time. I think he was just a backup dancer. He was, yeah. But they were a merry group of, of guys. They weren't. Yeah, just, they, they were, were. They were great in the movie Nothing But Trouble. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the two members that everybody knows is Shock G and his and his alter ego Humpty Hump. Uh, Humpty Hump was the, wore the Groucho Marx glasses. He was like the wavy gravy persona of the band. Uh, the way we swing comes from the album Sex Packets, which is a concept album about a government-created sex drugs for astronauts that ends up on the street, kind of paralleling LSD. And they used to make this is their pranksterism. I found this out way later as I as, as I was trying to figure out how to get this in there. They used to take uh, pamphlets, they created their own pamphlets, like, like Kinkos, and they used to put them on buses to try to freak people out that there is this weird sex drug that was... Oh, they actually made sex packets. Yeah, and they put them around town to freak people out, to thinking that there was this hardcore sex drug on the street. Anyways, I thought that was funny. So it fit into my thing, my, my theory that these guys were the merry pranksters. Anyways, that was my digital underground. If Humpty Hump is wavy gravy, does that make Shock G, Timothy Leary, or Ram Dass? Tom Wolf. Oh. All right. I don't, I don't, Tom even, Tom I don't even know what the fuck Ram Dass did. I just know his name is spelled like Ram Dass. Ram <laughs> 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 Number six. <laughs>
I kind of wasn't paying attention there, and I sort of snapped back right when Steve said rammed ass. <laughs> Made me very happy. Thank you, Steve. That one goes out to you, Dave. Yes. Nope, nope, Dave Humor right there. All right, this is the brand new heavies with and with the far side, with Soul Flower. I'm going to be awesome. Or I'm going to be awesome. I'm you are going to be awesome. awesome. Yeah, you're you already totally awesome, awesome. Bro. Are you going to be as awesome as this rapping, which is fucking on fire right now? I, I'm going to be honest and say the reason I chose this for the most part is the name of the song is Soul Flower. Also, it's because the far side is fucking great. A great alternative uh, rap band. And they yeah, listen, got- listen to these guys rap versus Diggable Planets. Like, these guys are fucking amazing. Yeah. And so they got and they got together with the brand new heavies who were an acid jazz group in in uh, London. They're from... Uh, where, where are they from? Where's the far side from? I think they're from L.A. They're from, from the LA. far side of L.A. They're from, yeah, they're from L.A. And they... Nailed it. They went across the pond. They got together together in communal spirit with it got a live acid jazz backing did a rap thing how awesome is that I named Soulflower I put it on the list that's why I did it again you're so awesome Hunter it's so awesome Soulflower was also the name of an En Vogue album wait listen to this listen to this I know I know shot him in the ass on the downstroke how how are these guys hippies it's a P-Funk thing but they're shooting people in the butt with a gun that's what it's, it's it's like uh, it's a funky funk thing. But it's with the downstroke. There yeah. Might, oh, okay. Yeah, there it's a downstroke. Right. That's oh, what that's makes it funky. funky. So there okay. might be uh, a metaphor you could read into there. Maybe, maybe. About I just, what? I'm getting, I'm getting a hard, I'm having a hard time keeping hippie hop straight. So it's just rap with unconventional, more unusual beats and a fun vibe. But they can still rap about killing the fuck out of people. They're not they killing. They were, they were shooting them in the ass with the downstroke. They're funking with them funk. up. funk. That's about. Oh. They're funking them. They're up. shooting They're people in the, the ass with funk. So in the last song with the digital underground was going like me 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 like a bunch of Republicans. They were that was a metaphor for everybody is a great rapper like us. Well, hippie, right? hippies it's collectivism. Listen. I get it. No, you don't have to explain it. I get it. Okay. I get it. I understand. It's like the cacophony society. They're 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 fu- they're funking up the squares. Yeah, that's what they did. Not everybody with was their, not everybody was overtly political and idealistic. Some were like to freak out the squares and and change the way that they viewed things. Wait, quick question then. Does that mean Dr. Dre's The Chronic is hippie hop. No, because okay. they were gangsters. Okay. I get it. Okay. I'm on they board. Gangsters. All right. gangsters like to smoke pot and so did hippies, but not. they weren't the oh, same Oh, now thing. I'm confused again. Okay, listen. Just keep going without me. Uh, everybody likes to smoke pot. Yeah, everybody does. Just I don't like mean, I'm not, I'm not into right, it. Whatever. I'm just that saying. I'm not my scene. In this world. I'm more this, of a 40 guy, so I, I guess want, I'd... I'd fall into the, the Dr. Dre uh, 40 drinking, but not the chronic part. I just want to say these guys are awesome. Farsight is awesome. People know them for passing me by. They're great rappers. They're, they're, they're originally they're dancers, their, too. They're known for their whole first album, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. That's like universally regarded as a classic. They have a lot of energy. They're very good, energetic. Yeah, very good technical rappers, yeah. too. Okay. Where are we going? Everybody coming together. Uh, what a world we live in where everybody gives each other hugs and nobody shoots anybody in the butt. Except with funk. <laughs> On the downstroke. 
So welcome to South Carolina. This is Marshall Tucker Band with Ramblin'. Super racist South Carolina. <laughs> Doesn't get more racist than this, folks. What? Started the Civil War. What else yeah. can I tell you about South Carolina? This well, is some old-time Disney racism. Let's see. South Carolina is uh, number one racist. Number two, <laughs> it's a state in America. You know what they like to eat in South Carolina? Shrimp and grits and low country boil. So, they both sound racist. And Hoppin' John. This well, is what I know about yeah, South Carolina. Hoppin' John, that's, there's some that racist. Sounds racist. That sounds racist. So this is the Marshall Tucker Band, originally from Spartanville, South Carolina. As of 2014, there were three KKK chapters in South Carolina. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Marshall Tucker. And, and Spartanville is home to two of them. Wow. Why don't they combine into one? They're probably racist against each other. Them other ones don't bleach their robes white enough. Yeah, there's one thing about racists. They hate other racists, too. They love having sex with each other, though. Yeah. Marshall Tucker is not a fellow in the band. Rather, it was a blind piano tuner who had rented their space before the band did, and they saw his name on some sign somewhere. Uh, and I, I looked up the February 3rd, 1983 edition of the Spartanburg Herald Journal, which profiled the real Mr. Tucker, and he was fine with the band being named after huh. him. I also found a YouTube video from 2014 of a, allegedly, I didn't look too deep into it, but this is a 90-year-old actual Marshall Tucker speaking at a church. So I think he's still alive, uh, although I'd hate, to, so I'd hate to assume he's a racist, but let's just say he's an old white guy with a piano tuning business in Spartanville. If he's not a racist, he probably tuned some of their pianos. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate this retrospective. That was a very detailed research. <laughs> I found it fascinating that there's a real Marshall Tucker, and then I want to find, you know, I found, yeah. anyway, that was the it's whole one. It's funny how Leonard Skinner named themselves after their gym teacher, who they didn't like. At least the Marshall Tucker band liked they never this met guy him. they met. Her. Yeah, they didn't hate him, is my point. Um, so this song is called Ramblin', which I feel is appropriate for a segment uh, where we ramble you all around the country, uh, including <laughs> South Carolina. Uh, and the other 49 less racist states. Like Mississippi. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like the uh, the idea of rambling. The, like, there was a lot of rambling music that came out around this time. Like People loved to ramble yeah. in the 70s. This Bands had to tour to make their, yeah. to make, to make their fortunes. I, I just want to say this music that we're listening to right now is more the hippie jam shit that you hate mm -hmm. than the stuff I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, oh, I remember... No, every song we're hearing today is garbage. <laughs> That's not true. It's really good. Really Wait, good. Get drunk, off my lawn drunk, with your hippity hop, you kids. Drunk Dave told me yesterday, man, I really kind of liked your playlist. He does. He likes it. I do. Um, so South Carolina music. It's good South, podcasting to be contrary. Uh, South Carolina music, also home to, or the origin uh, home of Hootie and the Blowfish and Dizzy Gillespie. As, uh, both entities include black guys. I would guess neither are very racist unless Hootie has something against guys with very puffy cheeks. Oh, those Dizzy puff Gillespie trademark. Oh, those oh. puffy cheek guys. I, I oh, I, I hate them. I hate them all. They're all the same. Yeah, and I was really hoping we'd talk about James Brown for South Carolina, but this is a good no, choice, too. But uh, James Brown's from South Carolina. Yes, right. he is. Uh, and I also want to shout, these, he was not from South Carolina, but he did the best song about South Carolina. Uh, Graham Parsons from Georgia did a song on the, the only Birds album he was on, Sweetheart of the Rodeo, called Hickory Wind, which makes South Carolina sound like the most beautiful place in the world. 
It's actually very nice. And also, James Taylor wrote Carolina on my mind. Uh, oh, which did is, he? Which is did probably he? about, it might be about South Carolina. Did he, doesn't, he? he doesn't specify. I don't know. I guess we'll find out next week. I guess week. we will. <laughs> Number five. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That was a good call and response. <laughs> I, for I forgot about this song. Oh, this drunk guy, I think he intro Steely Dan on a live track on one of their live albums. I think he introed a lot of people, this drunk guy. What? Anyways, I just want to say that I remembered this song and I got so happy that I remembered it and I was like, this is kind of hippie hop and I looked into it and it totally is. I just want to say that you're awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyways, I totally forgot about this one. This, this one's pretty good. Yeah, this is our third West Coaster in a row and our second performer from Oakland. Uh, this is... Yeah, this is... Uh, Del is the cousin... Del, Del, the, Del funky the Funky Homo Sapien. Was the Mr. Bob Dabalina. Uh, Del is the cousin of Ice Cube. He uh, originally wrote lyrics for The Lynch Mob. Uh, Cube helped him make his first album, which I think is this, um, when he yeah, was 18, is. and which uh, became I Wish My Brother George Was Here. Which is a Liberace quote. Wow. This guy had great taste. Really eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but then that was a very successful album because of this song. And, yeah, and Del, is, Del is not like his cousin, uh, Ice Cube. Del is more of a happy-go-lucky goofball, if you can't tell by the references we just dropped. Uh, my, I think he sounds exactly like Ice Cube, but then again, I must be racist. They all sound the same. You've been, um, you been you in South Carolina. Carolina. I ate too many shrimp and grits. And what was the other thing? Hoppin' John's. <laughs> Hard boil? And low, low country boil. Low country boil. <laughs> okay, so now remember, being cool is important, even though you guys had an argument with me about that, with both the beatniks and the hippies. And this song is about a plastic, fantastic L7 square named Bob Dabalina. He's not down. He's a suited-up sucker who needs to be tuned. He needs to tune on, tune in, and drop out. And See, I was making fun of him. I was listening. I was looking into the lyrics, and, and Mr. Bob Dabalina, he sounds more like a sellout. He sounds like a dude yes. who used to be down, but then he started dressing to impress the bourgeois white folks. Ah, same difference. Suited up sucker. He's an L7 square. Well, if he, he didn't used to uh, be, though. A real, right, real uptight Mr. Normal. Anyways, I just want to say that, so, it, it, I said earlier that maybe it was just the monkeys being on, on Nickelodeon. Maybe that's true, because here, Dell is a huge fan of the monkeys, um, and he took this insane sample from a psychedelic sing-talkie Dare I say proto trying rap called Zilch. Jenny, why don't you play it? Zilch. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. <gasps> oh my god, I got Hold on, I'll listen to it for a second. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob They kick in. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Zilch. Never mind. Furthermore, the play is self-defense. So weird. This is a weird This is the monkeys. We are the monkeys, and we're here to say that we love to sing in a monkey way. Yeah, this was this was released one week before this psychedelic weird song was released one week before Sgt. Pepper's. And it was it was the number one album for one week before Sgt. Pepper's. And it became the number two album for like the rest of the year. And Sgt. Pepper was number one. Anyway, this that album was, was Headquarters? This was Headquarters. It's a crazy album. This is like, for me, this is peak sampling. It's a song that I didn't know existed in a rap song that makes me want to look it up. And then I look it up, and now I know there's two great songs. The, the Monkees were insane because they were they were such a normal boy band, but then yeah. Mike Nesmith was in the band, and he just took them in a crazy direction. They didn't count on him. This is the first album they wrote their own songs and went in that weird direction. They're awesome. Uh, 
Thank I, you, Mr. Bob Dobbleman. Now that I now that Go. I know this is where that sample came from, I tracked down the origin of the name Bob Dobbleina. Affair apparently it was just a funny name that the monkeys heard being paged over an airport loudspeaker. I'd laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a funny name. Number four. All right, so maybe I'm editorializing here, but I had to include. A, a Wait, can I say something right off the top? I just want to say, talk about food in this song. I just want to say that they talk about food in this song. So we're still doing that joke. Such a benign thing that happened. Like how many episodes ago a now? A million. All right. Anyways, that's what. That was when you called out Lemmy for being in Nighthawk, or for no reason. Hawk I'm trying to talk Hawk about Wind. this song. He, he won't and let Hunter it go. comes up the top. Hey, Lemmy was in this band. Me. Yeah. The whole purpose I did that is because I wanted. Now to, you don't have to defend. Just keep talking about these raps. No, it really bothers you, apparently. It doesn't really. Go talk about the raps. Talk about the raps. I just want to say this is a Tribe Called Quest with ham and eggs from 1990. Well, I was going to say that, People's Steve. instinctive travels and the pads of rhythm. This is the second... You keep interrupting me. Anyways, <laughs> I chose this because it's a song about vegetarianism. Um, it's called Ham and Eggs. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know ham, ham, isn't, <laughs> ham isn't vegetarian. Yeah, and if you listen to the song, you would know that's they're talking about not eating it. Oh. I don't eat ham. Ham and eggs. But then yeah, I have to because it's to high song. in cholesterol, which but the science isn't isn't necessarily behind. Yeah, I, be, I bet they eat the eggs now, even if they're still vegetarian, yeah. because they are cost-conscious nutritional powerhouses. Eggs are. They have lots of essential amino acids. They're all right for vegetarians looking for protein sources. I, I eat eggs. Yeah, it's, as it's long really... as they're not Filipino balut. What's Filipino balut? Oh, that's. Me. I'm glad you asked, JD. If you watch any like bizarre foods with Andrew Zimmer and that that type of show, yeah. Go to the Philippines and they'll eat balut, which is where the 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 bird fetus has started to develop oh, in the yeah, egg. Yeah, and they they like crack open the egg and there's like a uh, weird looking are, uh, popular bird feet. Yeah, delicious. yeah. That's when everybody. So you just eat the bird fetus out of the egg and when, it looks like a usually it's prickly little bird. When, when people ask me are eggs vegetarian, I say it depends on your views of proportion. Ah, yeah, good point. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, it's not settled. I just want to say the modern environmental movement that didn't that was the first time that anybody looked at the types of foods that we put in their bodies. This is why I chose this song. It came out of the, the 1970s, the early 1970s, and Earth Day was celebrated in April 1997, inspired by an oil spill off the coast of Santa Barbara in 1969. So these concepts are firmly rooted in the area. That era. That's why I chose this song. And this and Tribe Called Quest is legendary. They're great. I gotta get them on this. Hey, is Q-Tip dead? No. No. Fight, that was Fife Dog. Yeah, he's in He's in Joe Walsh heaven. Q-tips in Joe Walsh. I guess he's in Joe. Yeah, Joe Walsh heaven. It's heaven for people who are alive but you think are dead. Right. Like Abe Vigoda was uh, in Joe Walsh heaven for like the last 40 years. And then he went and joined uh, Glenn Fry heaven. Glenn Fry heaven. So Fife Dog is in Glenn Fry heaven. Q-tip is in Joe Walsh heaven. So it's like rest in peace. I'll see you on the other side, which is after you wake up from your rest with peace tomorrow morning. Q-tip. That's a funny name. I have a big chin. <laughs> uh, so as you I've, never tried, I've never tried to do a Jay Leno impression I'm before glad that all moment. The research on this yeah. on this topic you guys did. Anyways, <laughs> you know the egg is Q really a diverse is, food. Is, uh, is, right. I'm sorry. Tribe called Quest is Q-tip, which you talked about, who's not dead. Uh, <laughs> 
Thank he, God. He was originally known as MC Love Child, um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, and Fife Dog, who passed away in March. Um, on this one album, they were joined by Jerobi White, who, spoiler alert, after this album went to culinary school and quit the band. Hmm. Why'd you spoil food? that? For Probably me. Uh, worked, worked with a lot of eggs. Yeah, and I also want to mention that uh, that Tribe Called Quest was in Native Tongues, which uh, Steve mentioned. We alluded to earlier. Did you want to talk a, about them? Yeah, it was a whole collective. Uh, it was kind of under Africa Bambata's uh, banner. Like he he had this just this sort Zulu of nation. Yeah, the Zulu Nation. He had a sort of an artistic collective where people could just kind of meet up and you know bounce ideas off each other. People would they form had eclectic tastes. They yeah, had, they're politically minded. Social. Yeah, very conscious. bohemian. They could have been. I could have had a lot more native tongues. I didn't want to over over represent them on. Yeah, because otherwise it would just be a native tongues episode. Yeah. Would rather heard them than them digital underground Republican braggarts. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> okay. Ah. This is Hunter's soul right now because of, because of us. You know, eggs are great for holding dough together. Uh, yeah. And you can uh, whip up the froth and use them in uh, drinks. And also, mm -hmm. this song is Mr. Wendell from 1992. Oh, by that's Arrested a good fact, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the Development. 12-year-old uh, me thought these guys were super cool. I liked, all, I liked all the dudes in the band, but it was mostly just uh, speech and headliner. And speech's name was, was Todd Thomas, headliner. It was Timothy Bard Barnwell. Todd. They were yeah, Todd. Dead. They formed. I'm Todd. I'm forming a rap band. Sorry. They Continue. formed this in 1988 out of Atlanta, Georgia, which makes them our only Southerners on the list. The South is not really a hotbed of hippie activity. I think because I saw Easy Rider and it didn't end well for them. Um, this is the spoiler alert. This is the album Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of. Uh, which won them a Grammy for Best New Artist and Rap Performance by a duo or a group the year before Digital Planets won. You just call them Digital Planets. Dig diggable Planets. Hey, I got a new a new slogan for the Grammys. The Grammys, rewarding their blacks for being unthreatening since 1992. Oh, as long as nobody else has a better shot. Why did I bring up the Grammys again? I don't know. Yo, what's up? I'm DJ Tad. <laughs> DJ uh, Tad here with another rat. Mr. Wendell was a call to anti-consumerism. And to not ignore the homeless, but to learn from their plight and uh. the simplicity in which they live. Half of the proceeds of the song went to the National Coalition for the Homeless. Now you can okay, that's now you can begrudgingly groan. Yeah, I'm not, I'm oh not. god, they gave money to the homeless. Now and this, this uses drum them. samples from a Sly and the Family Stone, which we heard in the beginning. I'm fine with them giving money to the homeless. I'm just not buying the whole simple wisdom of the homeless line that the lyrics are taking because personal experience here. Since I moved to California uh, about 15 years ago, the only people who have mistaken me for a woman other than one sex shop employee the only people who've done that are homeless dudes. These really stick to them. Yeah. They, they really, this yeah. really fucking bugs them when this, somebody does this This comes up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it fuck with your head if people mistook you for a woman all I'd, the time? I'd probably cut my hair. Yeah. I did cut my hair and it still happened in a sex shop. I, uh... 
Well, I've, I've, I've yet to meet a homeless man. The hustler man. store, to be exact. Uh, I was thinking rough trade. I'm yet to meet... Um, <laughs> it's, it's great. I've never met a homeless great. person. Happy episode. I've never met, I've never met a homeless person who's homeless because they're wise to the grip of our consumerist corporate culture has on the Yeah, it's not like us. they're living off the grid on purpose. They're mentally ill or they're addicted to something, and they're homeless because our society doesn't want to pay their fucking taxes to have a social safety net. Yeah, I'm sure in their collective hearts they'd love to get help and get get healthy and be and get a Costco membership. They're not anti-consumerist at all. No, they, Everybody they want wants to get a, a record deal like Wesley Willis. Uh, why do they need change? So they can buy things. Yeah. They, they can consume. Go to Costco and buy all the eggs they can handle. Good job, guys. We really, we really yeah. gave it to the homeless. Good job. Arrested everyone. development, everyone. Yeah, fuck you, Mr. Wendell. I guess that's what we're saying, or you guys are saying. Number two. I like these bumpers. <laughs> I'm glad you like something today, Dave. Oh, okay. I need, so, to, I need to go by Costco on my way home. Get some eggs. Uh, man, this is the entire reason... This song is the entire reason I put this genre together because I really wanted to get PM done on the show. I really miss this moment in time. This is Set Adrift on Memory Bliss, which is full-on psychedelia. This is by PM Don uh, from 1991. They weren't putting on any type of front. It was flat out, we want to be hippies, and it was awesome. Now, this is a number one hit. It's a number very, one hit, yeah. Very big hit. Yes. Guys, I think this might be a sample. Yes. They, there's samples in all these songs. Oh, okay. So this song, this is a love song to Christina Applegate, who was hot shit at the time. Married with Children was hot shit. Uh... She had a my my Republican cousin had a poster on his wall, and that poster was hot shit. So, and the fact that Republicans and black hippies both wanted to bone Christina Applegate, it gives me hope that a hot babe will come again to reunite red and blue America. I want to point out. To, I just want to say, I just want to say that the line where he shouts out Christina Applegate, he's like Christina Applegate, you got to put me on. That's a reference to the chorus of a Tribe Called Quest song, Bonita Applebum. Yes. It's a tribute to that, but I heard an interview on an American Top 40 radio type show back in the day, and he was like, "Yeah, we really like Christina Applegate. She's really fun, and this is a love song to her. I hope I meet her one day." Uh, yeah, and then, I hope he did. And then a couple weeks ago, Prince B died at the age of 46. And it was a huge fucking bummer that I didn't get this on there before. I thought Prince was uh, 57. Uh, Prince B. Who the fuck's Prince, Prince B? Prince B, the, the guy who's turtle. rapping. Oh, he's a fat guy who's horny for Christina, Christina Applegate. Applegate. Okay, sorry, I, I was I was tuned out. And Dave, Prince B, the nocturnal. So many rock star deaths this year. Just on this alone, we have two now. This is our second one. Sometimes I feel like we are writing people's epitaphs rather than honoring their music, and it's a fucking bummer. Uh, PM Dawn were the brothers Chords. I think it's Chords. I don't think it's Chordis. Anyways, yeah, I've never heard it out. Um, honestly the Prince B the Nocturnal and DJ Minimix they were out of Jersey City New Jersey and the song was their number one hit as he said in 1991 the iconic drum beat is sampled from Ashley's Roach clip by DC Funk Band the Soul Searchers that is a deep bit of research and I'm very excited to learn that because I never bothered to look because if, this was Steve if you, I'm just going to say this if you, if you listen to it you can barely tell it's the same thing like yeah. you would pass it yeah, by yeah. If, you, if you like it's not one of those songs you listen to you go wait I, I know that from 
something. And you've heard yeah. this beat a lot. Yeah, and we uh, like I even talked about this in the yeah. Diane Warren episode when we were doing Millie Vanilli. Like this is the the Eric B and Rakim paid in full yeah. beat that everybody sampled back for like for a few years in the late eighties. Uh, this is the one that Millie Vanilli used on all their fucking hits. Um, and here it is again being repurposed for a good song. Uh, but yeah, this is this is for a few years this beat was yeah it's huge was the like is, the as big as the James beat. Brown funky drummer and, break. And it also uses a snippet of uh, "Take Me to Mardi Gras" by uh, Kenny Loggins' personal smooth jazz guru Bob James, hey. which has been sampled also been sampled a ridiculous number of times. And it and it owes a ton to Spandau Ballet's new romantic song "True." I don't know why. Fuck. Oh, this is the Bob James part. This. Oh, that's okay. And that's this, I don't from. know why. Uh, I don't know why this fucking worked. This putting, mixing all these weird elements together, but it became this psychedelic music trip. Prince B's free flow. It's rhythms. very lush. Tell you how get it, it works. Talented DJ. That's how it worked. Yeah. Good DJ can make anything work. DJ Minimix. I'm just gonna wait for the bumper. No the song ended. DJ Tad. Number one. <laughs> to call them the hippies of hip-hop. Oh, whoa. And the psychedelic rap has helped this album, Three Feet High and Rising, climb to the top of the charts, performing their big hit, Me, Myself, and I. It's De La Soul. <laughs> Thank you, Arsenio. Real long fingers on that guy. Here we it's are. It's not like Jeff Goldblum long fingers. <laughs> Here we are, number one, Paz, Trugoy, and Mace, members of the communal native tongues, bringers of the Daisy Age, which stands for the the inner sound, y'all, surrounded by day-glow colors. They used to throw flowers and peace signs in their performances. A great, useful sense of humor. It was merry pranksterish. The guys that just, Arsenio Hall just called the hippies of hip-hop. Here is Me, Myself, and I, a song heavily sampling uh, Funkadelic's way out, <laughs> way out psychedelic jam, not just knee deep. And this song was explicitly written to tell everybody that they are, in fact, not hippies. That's the whole point of the song. It's crazy. So maybe after all that hippie shit, they're like, we're not fucking hippies. And so maybe it's like how hipsters. It's like how hipsters all want to claim that they're not hipsters. Yeah. So this. But they are. Yeah, is, but they totally are. This is 1989. This is these guys are the fathers of hippie hop, and they're saying it doesn't exist. So maybe my genre is full of shit. JD, maybe you're right. Maybe they're all Republicans. I'm fucking full of shit. Well, listen. What? Well, you know, this is a great rap song. This is a fine number one. It's got a nice beat. There's a sample in it. There's some guys rapping it. I think you really <laughs> nailed it here, Hunter. Oh, yeah, I think you nailed number one. If number one wasn't PM Don, it would have had to be these guys. It, it, these are know. the fathers of hippie hop, even though they didn't like it. Um, maybe the term at this time was too dismissive. Uh, maybe in the 20 plus years, the term hippie had been around and just was too toxic. Maybe they were just deep down freaky beatniks instead of hippies. Nah, they maybe were... the hippies just had better graphic design than beatniks, and so that's what they used on the album cover. I think it was because they didn't like that Arsenio name dropped them, and they actually talk about it on their next album because with their next album, it's called De La Soul is Dead. Right, and there's a de- like a tipped over flower pot there's on a the cover. Over Daisy. Yeah. So the Daisy Age trying to signify, yeah, trying to signify the end of the trend they started. So I think it was just, it was just, they just got pigeonholed into like people didn't take them seriously because they were kind of like 
there was there were messages in their music and people just glossed it over and just dismissed them as hippies and I think that's what happened. That's I, I don't know maybe I'm filling in too many gaps. Like, if they didn't like being called hippies, they should have just rapped about murdering people like everybody else did in these days. Well, they would have sold more records. Yeah, <laughs> they sold a lot of records. I mean more. Yeah, more than a lot. You gotta remember this is 1989. This is before gangster rap took over. They could have been the first yeah, this, one. This, yeah. this was the same year as uh, Straight Outta Compton came. Or was that it? No, it was right around the same time as Straight Outta Compton. I, I love this song. I want to dance to it. But if the, if the goal was to say I'm not a hippie, so many better ways to do it. You know, put on a rock and roll punk rock album. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been great. Well, they kind of did. They, well, they didn't do a punk rock and roll, but they got more punk. They got a little. They got a darker tone in their next albums. They specifically changed their style because of the back. They their own. And it was less popular. Their own internal backlash to this stuff. Also. You might say that gangster rap kind of changed rap, even alternative rap, and this, it kind of killed. If, if gangster rap killed anything, it was hippie hop. Even though, even though they, that was 1991, they were they were always ahead of the curve. But I also, wanna, I, I just want to say one more thing. They were so tuned in to what a hippie was, they used Randy of the Redwoods. I don't know. Oh, that, you, that weird MTV personality yeah, from back in the uh, day. Comedian Jim Turner, classic. Uh, he was the guy who was like, oh, man, the MTV four, keeps yeah, following yeah. me around. Oh. Do you guys remember Randy from the Redwood? Uh, yeah, yeah, I never liked that. Uh, funny guy. But anyways. I just want to say that on this album, Three Feet High and Rising, they also sampled Steely Dan and Hall and & Oates. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yacht, they're our Yacht Rock friends. No. They had uh, eclectic taste. Eclectic Eclective? Eclectic taste. Uh, what didn't make the list? Dave. Um, Terrence Trent Darby. I don't know. I didn't look anything up. It says, I uh, really like that dat scat, uh, but the roots. I found it through your temporary Spotify list. That's what Dave wanted to say, but he oh, didn't say what's dat scat? I don't know, but he oh. likes it. Uh, I thought I thought you got every single hippie hop song. So good job, Hunter. Thanks, Daddy. I wanted I wanted to shout out a couple of like modern projects that uh, that some of these guys did. Uh, the guy the Butterfly from Diggable Planets has a new abstract hip hop uh, outfit called Shabazz Palaces. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty good. Like they're they're less limited in their sonic palette than uh, Diggable Planets was. And also, uh, the he said Sonic. He said Sonic. That's that's a that's a in my, in my world that's a trope of uh, music reviewers. They got to get Sonic in there. I just want to say also that <laughs> that uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien uh, went on to in the year two thousand he he hooked up with uh, producer Dan the Automator and turntablist Kid Koala. And they did an album, a sci-fi concept album together called Deltron 3030, which is fantastic. And there's lots of other good stuff that these guys did, too. After yeah. Hippie Hop, it's great stuff. Thanks, that's our first hip-hop. Fun, uh, fun our first real rap And fun episode. facts abound. Fun facts abound. T, uh, T's next episode. Next week, Steve's <laughs> in the captain's chair. You don't need to read this. Uh, <laughs> with cookout jazz. Jazz that sounds good at a cookout. Did I describe that properly? <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be funky. I'm gonna read it's the. It's gonna credit. be very well arranged. I'm reading the credits to Bob Davalina, the so, monkeys one. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Find Mr. this Davalina. week's hippie hop playlist Davalina. by following 
search A.D. Riznar on Spotify. Go to Feral Audio for show notes by Tim Malcolm and follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow David David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Go to YachtRock.com for what will increasingly never be a useful experience. Theme bumpers by Mark Rivers and Rob Crow. Thanks to Rob Crow for the countdown bumpers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for all the reassuring raps uh, in these trying American times. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. Black Lives Matter. Eggs. Eggs matter. Nutritional powerhouses. Feral Audio.